You've reached Hoop and Holler, a Square One podcast on basketball and other shenanigans. Danny Green, I'm mad at Danny Green. I just want to thank everybody that's been in my corner during this time. With Reagan Griffin Jr. Reagan, you're the best, man. I'm the clamp guy. I am the Giannis Antetokounmpo of Lion Center. Eddie Sun. Probably won't get hired by, you know, ESPN anytime soon. Because <laughs> we don't got that clutch connection. And Julio Martinez. On uh, Giannis and the Bucks, I told you so, I told you so, I told you so. Please clap. It comes from at underscore underscore uh, KLU2 on Twitter. Bro, the fact that you knew there were two underscores before the to at underscore underscore KLU. He knows your that, Twitter. That means I'm tweeting it too much. But at, when it boils down, like, that's what we're here for is the yeah. basketball. Welcome back to another episode of Hoop and Holler. It's your host, Reagan Griffin, as always, joined by Eddie Sun and Julio Martinez. Lots of stuff to get into today. The NBA is popping off with all sorts of trades, but before we get into any of that, you know the drill. We got to ask it. How are y'all doing right now? NBA Twitter season, off season is upon us, and it's it's going insane. It's living up to the hype. It really is. Especially with the draft coming up mm-hmm. uh, and free agency being so soon, right after the draft, a news that this Kelly uh, Uber, oh, I, I never know how to say his name, Uber trade you? was uh, was apparently in you know in the coming since since two months ago. This man called the, it the Kelly Oubre trade like Chris Paul didn't get sent to Phoenix. Bro. The <laughs> Kelly Oubre no, no, trade. I, I, I'm I'm just saying because I, I see. I'm seeing this on Instagram that the the picture that the OKC Thunder t- or, or posted mm-hmm. was him in a jersey, and that was cropped and edited two months ago. Mm. So this trade was probably on the table for quite a while, but yeah. Interesting. Eddie, how about yourself? That's interesting. I mean, I love all the NBA news that's popping off right now, especially the draft's going to be tomorrow, free agency in a couple of days, but... You know, it just sucks that it all is fi- uh, falling on finals week for all of us. Cause, oh, my God. You know, true. It'd be a lot better if we weren't so busy with school. And- Very true. Well, we do have a couple of hours or, you know, a couple 40 minutes to carve out to devote to this, man. So let's go ahead and jump into it. Let's start with the Milwaukee Bucks made a plethora of moves. They said, by all means, we are keeping Giannis in this building if it kills us and it kills our entire future. They went and they got Drew Holiday, defensive extraordinaire from the Pelicans, sent them all the picks out the ass. Really, uh, you know, what I perceive to be somewhat of a lopsided trade for Drew Holiday. Um, Why don't we start there? What were your thoughts on on this trade as it popped up around what, like nine o'clock last night? Yeah. Well, okay. Look, I understand where people are coming from. And, you know, I, f- I forgot who made this joke in the chat, but I, I think it was Reagan. Watch Giannis not even stay. That was and it. That's obvious, and, and that's obviously in reference to Milwaukee maybe screw, screwing themselves over. But, he, he, I mean, here's my belief. You have no other option. You have to go all out. Just standing pat is going to do nothing. And I appreciate the Bucks, and we'll get to all the other moves later too. But I appreciate the Bucks for not standing pat and pretending that for you know three years in a row that this team, this squad, is going to work because it's not. I don't care what what any stat tells me that they were the best offense in the league and the best defense in the league. If those, if both of those things were true, they would have won an NBA championship. Did it happen? No. I trust my eyes, and what my eyes told me is that that team was nowhere near good enough. 
So, you know, credit to the Bucks for making this. What, you know, did it, you know, cost them to overpay for assets like Drew Holiday? Yeah, and David Griffin obviously took advantage of that, knowing how desperate the Bucks were to keep Giannis and show him that they are about winning. But again, you have to. And if this, you know, overpaying for Drew Holiday and all these other players, uh, uh, you know, keeps Giannis, you do it 10 times out of 10. As much as I'm critical of Giannis, you're going to get no one better. So it, it's, I mean, they have to. They have to. Mm. Yeah, I think you hit it on the nail, Julio. And the Drew Holiday fit, you know, is like one question, whether that's like perfect, whether that's, you know, like, okay. But then the other question is, um, is it worth it for Milwaukee to give up five picks, five first round picks, essentially, um, especially if Giannis is leaving? And um, well, the question is, are any of these five first round picks going to net you a player as good as Giannis? The chances are pretty, pretty low. So, I mean, again, of course, like on paper, like five first rounders seems like a lot. But, you know, the price of keeping a star, even if it raises it by a little bit, that Giannis just feels a little bit more inclined to believe that Milwaukee, you know, is committed to winning, is committed to building the best roster around Giannis, you know, then, then it's really worth it all because, you know, if you're a small market team, you don't just get to luck into landing superstars. It's like you just have to do everything to keep them there. And here's also my thing that Drew Holiday, he's not – He's not, uh, uh, and this is how I think about Chris Middleton too. Um, him and Chris Middleton are not your ideal top tier number two guys. They're, I, I, I guess what I'm saying is that they're most suitable in, in an ideal number three type role. But you, now you have two of those guys on your team and they can supplement each other because they don't play you know, the same position. They don't really play the same way, but you know, you're still retaining your strong defensive mindset and, you know, you have other scoring options, you know, uh, uh, with, with players who can run an offense and handle the ball more. So I, I really love this move by Milwaukee. I mean, did they overpay? Yes. But again, that they had to do it. They had to do it. Thoughts on Bogdan while we're at it. What, what do we think about the addition of him from the Kings sending out Dante DiVincenzo? And I think two other players whose name is eluding me right now. It might have been George. No, George Hill went to the Pelicans. Um, it's a Ilya Sova yeah. uh, for salary matching. And then DJ Wilson is a young guy. Yeah. Milwaukee didn't play. Thoughts yeah, on I mean, that addition? Bogdan Bogdanovich, I've always loved him. Um, I don't understand. Uh, uh, and we can get into this later into a, a future podcast. But I don't understand why the Kings paid Buddy Heald what they did and then refused to match or $14.65 million for Bogdan. I mean, I already think Bogdan's a better player than Buddy Heald. Not to mention at that salary rate. I mean... That's interesting. Oh, you don't agree. Okay, from a skill standpoint, you might say that Buddy Heald is a better player. But again, what? who's your best player on the team, De'Aaron Fox? And I just think Bogdan is a better complimentary piece, and Buddy okay, Hill's over yeah, here that, complaining about getting. And Buddy Hill's over here complaining about getting benched, and I got to pay you near thirty million dollars. But that that's beside the point. Um, Bogdan Bogdanovich has your four. Oh man, oh man, that is dangerous. And I was one of the you know biggest critics of the Milwaukee Bucks this year going into the playoffs. But man, is this team dangerous? That finishing five squad, whether it's going to be Drew, Bogdan, Chris Middleton, Giannis, and 
you know, Brooke Lopez, or if you sign the other that's, holiday that's brother, substitute be... <laughs> him in for, for, for Brooke Lopez. I mean, that's, that's a squad because your scoring option now, you know, from the perimeter is not only Chris Middleton, you have Chris Middleton, you have Drew and you have Bogdan. None of those guys are, you know, Kyrie, Bradley Beal, KD, you know, Devin Booker, those types of guys. But all of those guys combined together that, you know, individually, those guys don't, you know, need the ball so bad. They, they can play off the ball and they can shoot, yet they can create when the ball is in their hand. I mean, it's it's going to be very it, – it's going to be, you know, the best team they've had in a while. Mm. Definitely. What do you think about the addition, Eddie? The Bogdan signing kind of caught me off guard because I really thought there was no way that Sacramento doesn't match an offer for him. But I guess that – uh, for whatever reason, that relationship must have run its course. But um, I think it's really good for Milwaukee because when I saw the Drew um, trade, I was like, okay, they have Drew, they have Chris, they have Giannis. That's three guys that can score, but I don't think they're really like the best at getting their own shot. But Bogdan's a player that, you know, he's been in, he's been in Sacramento. People, you know, don't pay attention to Sacramento, but dude is like a legit bucket. And he might really be one of the, the clutchest dudes in the league in the league too. Like Sacramento doesn't win a lot, but he really just makes clutch basket after clutch basket. And, you know, uh, I think ultimately Milwaukee should look to using him as like a super six man, as like a super high usage six man that just Hmm. gets points. But, you know, that that gives Milwaukee a guy that they didn't really have um, before. And even though, you know, I, I love Chris Middleton, but I don't know if they have a guy that can really just separate and get buckets like Bogdan. And, And here's my thing with Bogdan too. There's not a lot of guys in the NBA today that when you look at their salary, you say, that's a bargain. And maybe, you know, uh, um, $14, $15 million per year for your fourth best player isn't necessarily a bargain, but I believe that's a bargain for that individual player. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised that another team wasn't willing to give him, you know, maybe $20 million. Um, so I believe they got himself – or, or they got themselves a, a a really really great you know wing player. You would be an interesting general manager, man. Tossing twenty mil for Bogdan. Well, I think I mean I how much did, Bob, Bogdan I, is. You're, you're telling me that Otto Porter deserves thirty million dollars. Nope, <laughs> I'm not I, saying that at all. But that's what I'm saying. But that's what I'm saying. That GMs are willing to make that stupid mistake, but they're not willing to you know pay Bogdan twenty. Well, I, I, I mean, feel Bob, like Bogdan is legitimately a good player, though. I think again, he's hitting so Sacramento, too. but I think so too. But twenty million feels like a lot. Maybe I have the salary cap messed up, but when I'm thinking twenty million, I'm thinking you know Kelly Oubre and up. But yeah, that's besides the point. Um, I'll just say this: I mean, he's better. He's better than Oubre, though. That, that's I, I'd point. say, yeah, that's I'd say he's better too. I would disagree, yeah. but I'll say this: I I don't ever want to you know be a Monday morning quarterback. So I'm going to get out ahead of it, and I'm going to say when Giannis ultimately does leave Milwaukee, you heard it here on November 17th, 2020, that they should have just traded Giannis. Julio, you said yeah, that. Yeah, but, it, uh, you, but uh, if you never. Let me just say this, man. You said that you had no alternative if you're Milwaukee. Your alternative was taking advantage of what's really looking like a whole lot of GMs willing to pay a lot of stuff this this offseason for um, superstars. When we look at James Harden, and we look at some of the trades that have gotten off um, already. It seems like dudes are willing to open up their wallet this offseason. I think that's what you should have capitalized on because there's no 
guarantee, I would say it's more likely than not still, even with that, um, even with these additions, that Giannis still leaves because you're going to look at an Eastern Conference that's about to be really, really good. That Brooklyn team, assuming they get hard, which I believe they will, you still can't mess with that team. You're, like, you're, you're that type of guy, and I don't go to bars, I don't really go out, I don't really drink, but you're that type of dude to be hanging out at a bar with your homies, and then they point out that girl over there in the corner, and they're like, "Go, go I, I dare you to go talk to her, Reagan." And you're like, "Nah, man, I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a save my, you know, this embarrassment and take my ass home." This, wow, this, that, that felt a little even, too what? What? You're not, you're not even willing to, to shoot your shot, bro. If you're Milwaukee, okay. Here's can I, can I, can I, can I see your analogy and raise you an analogy? Now, if I go over and try to shoot my shot, and she's like, "Yo, buy me this Birkin bag, and also buy me this Gucci watch. Spend all your all your hard earned money on this, all your capital on this. Am I about to go do that, not knowing whether or not she's even the one for me? Hell no, I'm not doing that. So I'll see your analogy. Well, you I might go try to holler at her. I might go try to holler at her and see what's up. But when she starts trying to get me to open up my wallet, I'm chilling, bro. I'm chilling. But you know, but you know that Giannis has interest in returning. He will stay if you make the right decisions. You don't think if, if they get to the finals this year, and um, I, that's another thing I forgot to say. With this squad, depending on how they fill out the bench, and I have confidence that they'll fill it out just fine, even if it's just minimum contract players. Um, they have a, I'm not saying they should be favored in the East, because you, you obviously still have Brooklyn, but they have one of the best team constructions already with that five. Going in. The day Milwaukee um, fumbled the bag was the day that they let Malcolm Brogdon walk, and it's yeah, a weird I mean, thing to I, say. I, I, I said that too. I said that too after you know they traded him to to Indiana and refused to pay him. I said that too that you know they messed up in that instance. But you know now is now, so you have to do what you can to retain the best situation you will ever have in Milwaukee. It's not I mean, there. Also, the truth is. The, the truth is, you know, if they did retain Brogdon and they don't win the finals this year or they don't really, you know, compete, then they probably would have had to have traded Brogdon anyways to get, you know, a guy like Drew Holiday like they got this year and, you know, Bogdan Bogdanovich. Just, you know, so I, I know we make a big deal of the Brogdon stuff and it matters because ownership cheaped out when they shouldn't have to. But, you know, this is a pretty good effort by the front office and by the ownership to be like, pushing their chips into the table and no like you can't trade Giannis this offseason unless he you know not this offseason but like, you should have traded him at some point you knew he was gonna walk right it's, well I mean I'm saying no you don't know because if you do know he's gonna be going to sources he's gonna be leaking to the media that you know he he has what, second what thoughts are, or you know Giannis's has, expectations of where he wants the Bucks to be are unrealistic for the Bucks to attain. If I'm in GM, I'm getting out ahead That's of that. That's not unrealistic. That's not this unrealistic. team won't win a championship. The the squad that they have can easily make it to the finals. If something goes awry, if something goes awry in Brooklyn, they can make it to the finals. Are you saying there's like no chance, like not even like a like a twenty percent? Of course, there's a twenty percent chance, chance but I'm saying, it, it, but, like me, well, if I'm operating at a twenty percent chance, I'd rather have the capital that no, I would no, get no, from Giannis. No. You, but you, you can't do that because I remember when I would, you know, when I first started criticizing Milwaukee, you were head over heels for Milwaukee. 
You're, you're going to tell me that this team isn't way better than that team? I was head over heels for Milwaukee because I thought Giannis would have a little bit more of this playoffs. Evidently, I was wrong about that. And this team, granted, while it's better than last team, I can say wholeheartedly with confidence that I don't feel like it's going to be enough. It's just not. Wow. I mean, here's the thing. There's no team in the league that has more than, you know, a one out of two chance to win the championship. That's fine. Not the Lakers, Clippers, Brooklyn, whatever. And in in most years, you never have that, like, dominant super team. You know, like, not everyone is a Warriors, you know, as a team. So, again, if you have Giannis, who is one of the five best players in the world right now, you don't just give him away no matter what kind of haul you get because that haul is probably not going to get you it's anyone not. close to as good as Giannis ever. Well, it's just me, that, and it's in a small market, you just can't bet like that. Let me break it down how it's going to go down. The Bucks are going to make the Eastern Conference Finals. They're going to lose, and Giannis is going to walk, and everybody's going to be sitting there well, like, oh, well, shit, you just traded all of your future draft capital. Now your franchise is screwed. And they're wrong. They're wrong. Anyone who says that is wrong. You don't just give up on a star like Giannis because you're scared to compete. That's ultimately the biggest failure of an organization. If you're like, oh, I'm so scared I'm going to fail to deliver for my you know, biggest it's not, superstar. I've it's ever not had fear. It's just it's being like realistic about what you've done as a franchise. If I go back and I look at what I've done and I see, damn, you're I traded Brogdon away. I had an opportunity to keep Brogdon. Damn, I didn't construct this roster well enough. Damn, well, I should have well, got me a guard that, that that can do a little bit more than, than Chris Middleton. Like, as, you've made as, mistakes, as, and you're going to suffer the repercussions what? of those mistakes, and now you're letting those things become exaggerated because you want to hold on to something that, frankly, was never at your fingertips. Okay, That's what's going to happen. But here's my... I'm the biggest critic of Milwaukee... But you're going to tell me, and as much as I love Miami, they obviously made it to the finals this year, but you're going to tell me Milwaukee isn't the best or second best team heading into the East right now? Oh, yeah. Right now. Talk to me after they this offseason. Talk to me after this offseason's over. Because wherever James Harden goes, that's going to be the favorite team without a shadow of a doubt, whether it's Philly or whether it's Brooklyn. And, I, you know, unless we're betting on dudes getting injured. If, it, if, it, if, if it's Philly, I may still be inclined to take Milwaukee. Mm. Well, I mean, that's your prerogative, man. I I, I disagree. But um, let's go ahead and keep it pushing. We, we got a lot to cover. Why don't we talk about, you know, the other guard that was involved in a pretty big trade, Chris Paul to the Phoenix Suns. Uh, you talked about how it was already in the works two months ahead of time. That's an interesting thing. But you know, let's talk about what Julio has called the Kelly Oubre trade. The Kelly Oubre trade. <laughs> uh, I... I, I <laughs> Actually, no, I'm not, I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say that. But it, I, I will say it's pretty messed up that they had a model for the New Jerseys and then they traded him away like two days after. Um, mm. That's kind of funny. But, um, I, I mean, I think I think it was a pretty even trade all around. And, and obviously the Thunder, like the Pelicans, are just accumulating assets. It's like future drafts is going to be number one Pelicans, number two Thunder, and it's just going to keep you know switching off. Those two teams, but um, Chris Paul next to Devin Booker, you know, I feel like no one think, thinks that's not going to work, especially when you pair, you know, two, three and D guys like um, Cam Johnson and uh, uh, Bridges next to them, plus DeAndre Ayton, who can, you know, obviously run the floor and, you know, get his own sometimes. Um, so I, I think their ceiling uh, is probably the fifth seed. Obviously, I think they can get hot depending on KP, 
you know, with the Mavericks, if he gets hurt and, and if he's out for an extended period of time. But, yeah, you know, in the playoffs, I think their ceiling is a second-round exit. Yeah. Mm. What about you, Eddie? What would you estimate is this team's ceiling? Um, see, I really liked Phoenix last year. You know, like, I was the kind of guy who's saying, like, don't be surprised they do something crazy in the bubble. You know, I, I feel like Monty Williams – you know, really brought something great to that team, you know, some like much needed organization and accountability. And that's why this Chris Paul acquisition, I feel like maybe Chris Paul is not as good as he was last year with OKC, you know, like on paper, but that impact, you know, in the clubhouse, in the locker room is going to be pretty big. And I mean, I think I'm with Julio that there's solidly a second round team for me. Um, and if things break the right way in terms of like injuries and matchups, they might be a conference finals team actually. But obviously that uh, takes a lot of luck, you know, kind of like how Portland two years ago made the conference finals they, um, due to yeah. confluence of good luck. Mm. They also have to fill out, you know, their bench. Um, they do have Aaron Baines, who I love, and then they do have Dario Saric. Um, But those are two bigs. You have to get some perimeter players you know, especially if you estimate that Chris Paul might take some games off. Um, so, yeah, they have to fill out their bench better. But other than that, I mean, their starting five is, is very solid. Yeah. So, actually, the interesting thing with timing was that Phoenix could have delayed this trade until after free agency. Um, if they renounced a couple, like, half holds on, I think, Baines and Saric, they could have had $17 million in cap space to acquire a guy and then trade the same guys for Chris Paul um, but basically, instead, they decided to do the trade now, um, still be able to re-sign Sarge and Baines, um, use their mid-level to acquire a guy. So it's interesting, like, roster maneuvering that they did. So I guess that leads people to believe that they want to re-sign Sarge, probably, maybe Aaron Baines, though I'm not, uh, I'm not as sure about that. But just, just interesting decision-making from Phoenix's end. On OKC's end, how do we feel about what Sam Presti's lining up there? It seems like he's just going to have a shitload of draft picks in the foreseeable future um julio i know you don't you know mess with that sort of strategy but how are we feeling no i I mean i I do i do only if you trade i mean my my preference is just to trade for a legitimate young star um and, and you know having assets is fine but you know leveraging them into proven talent uh, like a, a young guy, I guess you could throw out there, like B.I. Like mm. like that would be, you know, my go-to. Guys like that, young guys who have proved, proven that they will be one day stars in this league. Exactly. Um, my Green preference draft. is not to pick guys, you know, in a draft and hope that three out of ten pan out to be all-stars and then do it that way. Because that, I mean, maybe it's my impatience, but... I it's mean, shoot, the scenario you just lined up sounds pretty good. If I can pick three or ten guys and, you know, three of them turn out to be all-stars, I just made myself a, a, a super team, didn't I? It feels like what the Warriors I mean, how, how reliable is that, though? I mean, again, what, what do they have? Nine first-round picks in the next three drafts? Is that it? After 2020? I just, I just know they have, like, 17 until, like, 2026 or something like that. Like, you know, you take 17 shots... They're gonna pan out some of them, right? But I, I, I don't, I don't know if, if Reagan Griffin Jr. is shooting them. <laughs> yeah, because apparently the girl at the bar. Apparently, I'm just like, yo, I'm like, I, I can't believe you just painted me out to be that, bro. Like, yo, I don't even want to go talk to her, bro. I'm just gonna get rejected. 
like I'm some yeah, incel but, or something, bro. I, I, she's just going. I, she's just going to shoot me I, down, bro. I guess what I'm trying to say is that you know, I, I just my mind always goes to the Boston Celtics. Don't be scared. Make a move for AD. Make a move for you know these special talents that will get you to that point or put you over the top. You 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 just can't depend on all these college kids. You have to get proven talent. You have to get proven talent. Gotcha. Maybe how you feel. Yeah, I mean that's facts. Like Boston has like the greatest lineup of almost acquired talent, you know, in history between Paul George and Kawhi and Anthony Davis. It's that like again with those assets, you do have to turn them into something. Sometimes you draft a pick, but a lot of times you gotta you know shoot your shot for proven talent. But um, in terms of like the trade between OKC and Phoenix, I think it's pretty fair on both ends. I think it's good that Phoenix didn't give up um, their first-round pick this year and that they didn't have to give up Bridges or Kim Johnson. Mm-hmm. Those are two, I think, cornerstones of their teams. Um, the only thing for Phoenix is that that 2022 pick is, like, protected all the way till 2025, which means that they probably they can't trade a first-round pick unless it's their 2027, unless they redo the protections or something. But honestly, it might be best for Phoenix because – you know, with Robert Sarver there, he might suddenly get cold feet and do some crazy things with their with their draft picks. But, I mean, I like it on both ends. I think, um, you know, Kelly Oubre is a good starter for the Thunder. Ruby is a good trade piece. Um, and then you get some young guys like Ty Jerome, who I actually really like from last year. So, I mean, I don't know. You can't really say anything bad on both sides. And uh, I just hope that Phoenix continues its upward trend because they really have a future. And I think Devin Booker might even be like a, a sneaky MVP pick for next year. Well, I will say it could not be me looking into Kelly Oubre's eyes and telling him that he's been traded just because I could not fathom it. Anyways, let's move on to Dennis Schroeder, young guard out of, is he that young anymore? I don't even think he's that young, but guard out of OKC recently traded to defending champion Los Angeles Lakers. Dennis Schroeder, the Lakers have a guard. It wasn't quite Chris Paul like I was hoping for, but you got a pretty solid one in in, in uh, Dennis Schroeder, so Julio, you're the Lakers fan here. You're the former guard here. You guys kind of play a similar style of basketball, honestly. But what do you feel about this trade? I Look, I'm hesitating to say, and this is for lack of a better term, that I'm split because that, that's going to make it sound like I give this this trade like a C or a C minus. And I'm going to give it like a, like a B. Okay, does he make our team better? Yes, he's a better player than Danny Green, who, you know, they had almost exactly the same salary, right? And you're probably going to, if we get Wes Matthews, you know, that's going to be on a minimum contract. So you get those two players, you know, instead of a Danny Green. So does that improve your team? Of course. Dennis Schroeder is not a bad player. He had his best year last year. But here's my thing with Dennis Schroeder. His, uh, and this is something more minor, but his quote that he said, you know, my agents told me that, you know, uh, 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 come and join the Clippers or the Lakers. You know, they, they've extended me offers, and I just don't want to go to those teams because blah, 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 blah. That's your prerogative. If you don't want to win, that is totally fine with me. I mean, but just don't carry that bad attitude into the locker room, A. And B, he had his best year last year. That's a positive and a negative because well, he finna do I would not – I would not expect that same year coming this year. You can say that he's going to have more open shots. You can say that, you know, that's going to make it easier on his, on his shooting and field goal percentage. But 
me, you know, we were all talking about this in the chat. I view this year shooting wise as an outlier year. And I, I just, there's something about him. That what he's going to do, Julio? He's going he finna to come to LA and forget how to what? Shoot. <laughs> there yeah, you go. Yeah, exactly. Just like exactly. everybody so, else. But, I mean, does he improve our point guard position? Yeah. I mean, can, can he get a bucket and, and, you know, drive to the paint? Yeah, I mean, he, he's a great driver, great, uh, uh, you know, penetrator. He's not the best passer. He can't really shoot from mid-range. And his shot, I, I've been saying this, you know, for the longest. His three-point shot is one of the most predictable shots, whether he's going to shoot or drive to the basket. It's really embarrassing that most that a lot of teams don't catch on to that. But that's beside the point. So I think he's not going to live up to expectations. But does it still make our team better? Sure. Can he potentially in the future be that third piece to an eventual uh, uh, Anthony Davis-led Lakers? Maybe, sure. But I just, the way Lakers fans got excited about this trade, I'm not that excited. Interesting. Eddie, what were your thoughts on it? Um, this kind of came out of left field for me. I didn't think I heard anything about rumors between Schroeder and the Lakers. But... Um, for me, I'm just more or less surprised that because this was the first major trade that came out of the cycle that the Lakers already gave away their only salary matching chip in Danny Green and their only kind of useful asset for a while in that in this year's draft pick player of uh, uh, in Dennis Schroeder had not waited for the market to develop to acquire maybe you know another guy maybe if it wasn't Chris Paul like who knows I feel like there just had to have been someone better than Dennis Schroeder out there if they waited. But um, I think it gives the Lakers a guy that they didn't have before who can really break down defenses with the speed, you know, by, by you know, collapsing the paint and then kicking out to shooters. But, you know, he also has a lot of the same traits that the Lakers needed in that he's not a great perimeter shooter. Um, he's not a great shot creator. Um, I don't really trust his defense. And then... See, like, I don't know, a lot of people said, okay, if if he's a Rajon Rondo replacement, you know, he's better than Rondo. But, I mean, again, like, Rondo was a guy that knew how to find people in the right places at the right time. Shooter's not one of those dudes. He's, you know, notoriously kind of tunnel vision with his game. Like, if Anthony Davis fronts a dude in the post, like, is Shooter going to see him? Like, much less likely than Rondo would. Yeah. I I would hope he sees Anthony Davis fronting somebody in the post. That's egregious. That would be egregious if you just missed that. But uh, I I see your point. Yeah, I want to make an important distinction here that I feel like not enough basketball, you know, fans understand. In that, again, this is what, and Eddie got to it, this is what I was trying to get to, that Dennis Schroeder, can he score 20 any given night, 25, 30 maybe? Sure. But when I say that the Lakers needed a, a, a score that you can go to, he's not that guy. That's not what I mean, you know, just because you can put up 20 to 30 points any given game does not mean you're the score that, you know, I was talking about. I'm, I'm talking about a score that, you know, like Eddie mentioned, a guy who can really create his own shot. That's why, even though people won't agree with me, and a lot of heads said that this uh, that Dennis Schroeder was, it was and is a better option than DeMar DeRozan, the guy I'm more talking about is a DeMar DeRozan a guy who can get his own shot, you know, in, in the mid range from wherever, essentially. Um, and, and when you, when you compare those two players, I mean, you can say based on percentage wise from last year that he's a far better three point shooter, but he's just not, that's a lie. 
you know, the numbers do lie sometimes. So oh, um, don't say I that just want to point out that distinction sometimes. <laughs> I mean, I, I look at it in this light, and I, I don't see him necessarily as a great fix ne- fit next to LeBron and AD. Um, I don't expect him to come in and be a Rajon Rondo replacement, but what I do anticipate is something that we kind of talked about early in the season when it came to the Lakers and that you really didn't have a spark plug when LeBron went to go sit down. You were reliant almost entirely upon AD, and you had just about no perimeter creation whatsoever when LeBron went to sit down. So I don't even think Rondo was really creating all that much on the perimeter, more so as just finding other guys. So I, I, I'm happy to have that on the Lakers for sure. Just a guy who can go make something happen from the perimeter. Like you mentioned, Eddie, break down a defense. Um, perhaps maybe LeBron could teach him how to throw a couple of passes. But, you know, I definitely think that's a guy that's good to keep in the back pocket right now and moving forward in the future if you're the Lakers. So I'm not mad at the trade. Hey, also, but like, I also don't know if he's gonna stay after this year. After exactly. What if he doesn't too. stay? I don't think he'll resign. I well, don't if he doesn't, then he resign. doesn't. You still have enough money to go make something big happen. Um, that is true. But when, when you're talking about the 28th pick, it's not again. It's not a lottery top five, whatever top 14 pick. But you could have paired that with the Danny Green with a more you know a guy who has potential in THT and got in maybe a better player who you do trust in keeping. So, because that 28th pick does have some value. Yeah, I mean, so, it's particularly with the Lakers, right? They know how to use that thing. I was hoping that Cassius Winston might fall. I, I think that was a guy who could have been pretty good for him. But Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. Give me Dennis Schroeder. Give me Dennis Schroeder. Sounds like we need to hop on the draft <laughs> pod, man. This guy doesn't like Cassius Winston. That's a conversation for no. another day. Why don't we go ahead and address, before we get up out of here, what I like to call the Reagan Griffin of the NBA, the clamp god himself, Robert Covington. Let's go ahead. No, nothing, nothing. Show, show, show the tape. Yeah, the Anyways, Robert Covington got <laughs> traded to got traded to the Portland Trailblazers for Trevor Ariza, and I believe it was two first round picks, if I'm correct. Um, yeah. So you know, to oh. me, this indicates that Harden's out of there for sure. Because if you weren't gonna, if you were gonna try to compete with Harden, then you needed Rocco. But you know, the fact that they're willing to part ways with him, obviously, got. I think that's a pretty decent haul to get two first round picks out of it, but. The fact that they even sent him away tells me that Harden's out of there, and it's a pretty good pickup for Portland as well. Yeah, I, I mean, that, that was the same kind of uh, uh, thought process that I went through. I mean, how are you going to trade him and then still still get, you know, say out to the media and all these, you know, reporters that, you know, we'll keep Harden in Westbrook no matter what they say. Like, that's just a flat-out lie. I mean, how, how, how are you going to do that and, you know, get back Trevor Ariza and – you know, Port or, or Portland sending two first round picks. I mean, Harden better get Harden better haul eight first round picks if if Robert. I, I know you guys love him, but he might. I mean, I I mean that's I've never seen that. And the tweet that kind of made me laugh was that he got more first round picks than DeAndre Hopkins. <laughs> two different and, sports, and, brother. Yeah, no, I know, but um, yeah, I, I mean, again. I, from from Port from Portland side of things, I I think they overpaid and maybe you have to keep Dame happy, but their ceiling is not that high. So it's like, what are you guys doing? Are you guys trying to compete? Are you guys okay with being middle of the pack? You guys didn't even make the playoffs last year. Yeah, you guys did. did because of the playing tournament, but you guys didn't really make the playoffs. They Come stole on. Memphis's spot. Damn it! So so from from, from Portland's perspective, it's like. Are we really doing this? Is this what's going to put you over the Lakers? 
over the Clippers? Really? Is this what we're doing? I mean, Come to on. be fair, you improve marginally, right? Like it, sometimes that's how you do is incremental. A bit. You got. I mean, well, see, you go ahead, Eddie. This is where I just disagree. They improve substantially by picking up Robert Covington and plugging him in for Trevor Ariza or whatever random three that was playing on that team last year. Kent Bazemore, you know. Um, I think this is where I step in and give Portland their flowers where everyone was giving them their flowers before the playoff series against the Lakers saying that they might upset or whatever. Now this team with a healthy Nurkic, um, you know, you know what Dane's going to do. And then Robert Covington gives them that player that they've basically been looking for forever, which is funny because Covington seems to be that guy for every team, but you know, I think I think they really they're they're really a challenger for the conference championship. Oh my like, god! I don't th- I don't whoa. think they're making the finals. But it, it, whoa, it, whoa! It, it, I I feel like I heard the same things uh, uh, when he got traded to Houston. And when you say a real contender to win the conference, yeah, you wildin', bro. <laughs> you okay? 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 So we're not sorry, not win the conference championship, but like make it and compete. The like, Lakers, the, the Warriors, the Clippers, the Nuggets. I think okay, so first of all, the Mavericks. This, is, this I mean, forget about the Mavericks, but like, you know, like this is where the distance is. We talk about how great Dame is, not just we, but like everyone talks about how great Dame is. You know, like we know what he can do in the playoffs. Like that is such a difference maker. There's not a lot of guys in the Western Conference that will do in a playoff series what Damian Lillard does. Now you get, you know, the defensive stalwart, truly, you know, a 3 and D player, not a fake 3 and D player, like a real 3 and D player in Robert Covington. You know, you get, again, healthy Nurkic for a year. Um, Of course, there's still CJ there who can catch fire. I mean, I know Rodney Hood opted out, but I think that they'll try to keep him. You know, that's a super six man on the bench. You still have Zach Collins. You have Gary Trent to use as a positional match. Like, there's a lot that team can do. I, d- I just do don't I, know what, what's missing. I mean, what do other I Other than, you know, a second superstar. What's missing? Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, and that's a pretty big... That's a pretty big... <laughs> no, I'm saying, that, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Like, they're not... I'm saying, like, they're not the Lakers or the Clippers, you know, and, like, maybe the Warriors. But, like, I don't know about the Warriors. Um, but they're, like, pretty, like, close to just below that tier. Like, they're very, very close because Dame Lillard is there. But here, I mean, here's my thing. Like, you, you went off all, you know, on their pieces. What do I always say? Every team has nice pieces. Every single team, team in the NBA has nice pieces, aside from the Knicks, maybe, and, and, you know, the worst teams in the NBA. But every team has nice pieces. That doesn't mean you're going to compete in the, in, in, the, in the conference championship by any but, stretch. But, like, we kind of know what those pieces can do, though, because we know what Damian Lillard does – we know what CJ McCollum does. Like, we know what Robert Covington does. And then we saw last year, like, Gary Trent, pretty good piece off the bench. Ronnie Hood, we saw two years ago, can, you know, flip a series for you, right? Like, Zach Collins looked really so, good last year. And then, so, you know, so, again. Robert Covington is a true 3 and D player, right? You can mm-hmm. pull up the 36% that he shot. He shot 31% from three. Ooh. Ooh. What, yeah, last year or what? Yeah, and the previous year he shot thirty four. Ooh. <laughs> and the previous year before that he shot thirty three. Ooh. <laughs> this is not. As he, see, I know, I know, I know. Folks joke that he's a streaky three point shooter, but like, are folks closing out on him? You know, like, is he making more shots than Al Aminu and, and Mo Harkless was there? Like, 
<laughs> I think so. I think so. Oh my god. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You love to see it. We love the Roco uplifting of my counterpart in the NBA. I appreciate that. I, I just wanted to say something. I'm, I'm searching up Danny Green's three point percentage. As atrocious as I thought he shot, he shot 37%, Danny Green. And Robert Covington shot 31. That seems about that, right. That means Robert Covington was actually atrocious last year. At the I mean, 31 is not good. Like, that. that's pretty bad. Um, but, you know, they dubbed him maybe, a 3D. Maybe I remember it correctly, but I feel like it, it ticked up, you know, when he got to the Rockets, but I could be wrong. Interesting. Sample sizes, statistics, math, all that good stuff. But I think that'll do it for this episode, y'all. Anything to add before we get up out of here? There's going to be a well, lot of news coming down the pipeline. Yeah. I, I do want to say wait, this. Wait, hold, hold, hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh, and he's like, let me get my word in for Roco real quick. Okay, so he's a he's a career thirty six percent shooter of, from three. Last year he shot thirty four percent. You're looking at the wrong line, Julio. Oh, he no, he's looking at the wrong line. And he's <laughs> like, hold up, let me put my mathematician 30, 30, hat on. 31.5. Yeah, that that's when he was on the Rockets. I'm saying the year as a whole, he shot thirty four percent. Oh shit, he's on your head, Julio. He's not. I'm saying he's Even not. That, that's Terrible. Even I'm he's not he's not Clay he's not Clay Thompson, but he's not Danny far Green. from it. He's far. <laughs> he's not Danny Green. Yo, I'm, the dude the dude can make threes. I'm I'm sorry, like the dude can make threes. Okay, okay. That's funny. Eddie that, said, that, "Let me that, pull out the receipts that, on your head." That player is not gonna is not gonna put them over the top. But anyways, this is my last note of the day, and we might talk about this in a future episode. But I did want to bring it up today. Um, KCP, a, ru- a, a rumor came out that he's likely to return. If that happens, I'm not saying I'm going to stop being a Laker fan, but I'm going to be very upset. I'm going to be very, very, very upset. That makes we, you we even more him. of a Laker fan. <laughs> because he's going to he's gonna demand multiple years. I'm not paying... Oh, my God. I'm, I'm getting stressed over. Just, you know, what right was now, KCP's three-point percentage? <laughs> Run the math. Get the calculators I mean, out. I, it, was, it was probably, I mean, he... he I think it was like 42%. <laughs> he, was, he was shooting it this year. He was, he was, he was shooting it. I, I don't want him. I don't want him. Please, please don't mortgage our future or any, you know, while he's hot now, you know, and, and has his most value that he'll ever have in his career, sign and trade him. Please sign and trade him. Please. Please, please, please. Do not re-sign him. You heard the man, Rob Palinka. Go make it happen. But, like I said, that'll do it for this episode of Hoop and Holler. As always, thank you guys so much for tuning in to each and every episode. It's coming out on Wednesdays and Saturdays. A lot of news coming down the pipeline. We might see some James Harden news in the near future. The Nets, Philadelphia, who knows? Let's find out. But that'll do it for this episode. We'll see you. The draft's coming up tomorrow. Tune into that. That's going to be interesting. Uh, as always, go follow SQR1Hoops on Twitter, on Instagram, perhaps TikTok coming soon. I don't know what's happening. Um, but thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you next time. This has been the Hoop and Holler podcast.